Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. A real entrepreneur helping others succeed. This is your host, Rivers Corbett, on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs, build theirs. This is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, and we're going to go on an interesting journey today. I had the, uh, the, the researcher sent me a great overview of our next guest and uh, really thrilled to have a Métis artist and entrepreneur on our show today. Paul Chapu is based out of Kingston, where he heads his 25-year-old business creation consulting, so obviously a well-veteraned entrepreneur beating the odds, and recently he completed his doctorate from Queen's University in Human Geography, where Paul produced and directed the film Planting Stories, Feeding Communities that Brought Light to the Indigenous Educators who for decades drove the creation and implementation of Native Studies curriculum in Ontario schools. In today's podcast, we're also going to talk to Paul about his experiences as an entrepreneur who's forging artistic mediums and academia to advocate for the advancement of Indigenous communities. Paul, it's really an honor to have you on our show today. Thank you. Uh, I'm really happy and honored to be part of the show. Yeah, well, we're going to go on a, on a great journey. And first of all, you know, I got to lead into what is human geography? Human geography is is basically geography, but most people think of geography as physical geography, like lakes, rivers, mountains, and so forth. Human geography looks at the relationship between human beings 
and geography and the earth. So human geography has more of a social sciences spin to it rather than a technical, you know, um, uh, you know, climate control kind of angle, right. for instance, which a lot of our uh, my peers were were looking into at the time when I was there. So that's very interesting. So, so is it is it really about you know where the where the attraction is for you know I'll call it humans to to ultimately settle, uh, uh, gravitate towards, uh, travel towards? Is that uh, is that is that the connection piece? Well, I think what how I think how it evolved is that uh, more and more information was required on on the impact of the human race on the planet. I think we're dealing with a lot of that, um, mm. uh, you know, in the newspapers every day or or not so much newspapers, but the news media, whatever form mm-hmm. it takes. Um, so that relationship um, goes two ways. The more we, uh, in the short term, have organized ourselves to create wealth and, and so forth, um, the long-term implications and impacts of those decisions are just now coming home to roost, or some of them have for, for quite a while. And there have been people waving flags and saying, you know, we've got to stop, we've got to reconsider. And so um, part of my work um, as a geographer was to look at the geography of Native studies. In other, mm-hmm. in other words, how um, the um, mainstream curriculum um, basically talks about Western or European histories and ignores, for instance, um, uh, histories of indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And so we have um, a segregated environment where we have native studies and we have uh, the mainstream studies, let's say. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. in looking at geographies, now we, we started to understand in which areas of um, Ontario, for instance, in the north, the percentage of indigenous people in a certain township is much higher than you'd find in Toronto. And so in that sense, the geography plays a, uh, an important role in terms of having more leverage in, um, in schools, school boards in the north in, in terms of determining curriculum, which would offer indigenous content. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that helps you understand just what, yeah, what I'm dealing it, with in, in terms of uh, human geography. Well, and that's, uh, you know, obviously that's become a, a focus for um, your doctorate. Um, and, and did you direct and produce the film? We talked about planning stories, feeding communities when you were doing your doctorate. Yes. And it's based on the findings of my master's, you see. Uh, mm-hmm. My master's was all about um, um, Native Studies curricula in Ontario schools. And uh, when I was applying for my master's at Queen's University, um, I was interviewed in the Rutherford Room, which has uh, lining the walls, um, all of the past master's theses and and dissertations of, of various doctors. Um, yes. And I was struck by that fact. I thought, you know, here are all these books, you know, lining the walls. And what happens? <laughs> what happens to all this knowledge? Yes. That's... Uh, that's um, in those books. And I had a flash and I thought to myself, and I didn't, I remember mentioning to the person interviewing me that if I was accepted, one of the things I would do would make sure, would be to make sure that whatever research I did would get back to uh, the public or the um, concerned parties. Right on. And so um, I was fortunate to be funded for a, a PhD 
And so I, um, and I had mentioned in my application that I was going to use film because I've done film in the past. And so um, I wanted to use film to bring the findings of my master's back to the Six Nations community where three of my main people that I interviewed were from and they were indigenous educators and so forth. And so um, the, the film was, was um, the debate was whether I had to also have a written dissertation. And uh, I was, of course, arguing that the more film I do, the less dissertation I should write. Of course, that makes sense. It's the same thing, for goodness sake. Just a different format. Well, I'm glad that you see the point. But, <laughs> but there are priorities. Mean, you know, there are um, yeah, rules. They wanted another book on the shelf, didn't they? Uh, and they and they got one, too. You know. <laughs> another 200 pages down the road. But it, it was warranted in certain ways because we have to after making the film and showing it and having um, questionnaires associated with it, um, there was obviously some findings that had to be uh, communicated to my sure. committee and to the, to the, um, to the members of the community. And um, they were all positive, but uh, without the written dissertation, people wouldn't know uh, about mm. that, that part of the analysis and the theoretical background, for instance. So sure. um, I um, I decided, well, I was lucky because um, a young man came forward and offered his services and he was a great cameraman and editor. And so this is the thing. One of the things that I would like to convey to our, our listeners today is that Let's for, do it. for me, um, it's like whatever project you do, if you're a painter, an artist, I consider myself an artist, a communicator, that kind of thing. Um, but whatever you do, like if I'm doing a painting, there's going to be one signature at the bottom of it, not a whole bunch of signatures. Um, if you do a film, you know, all of us have been to films and when the credits start rolling, people are there for five minutes. Yeah. And so that's an important distinction because when we're uh, working as entrepreneurs um, and we have a great idea and we want to get out the gate quickly and, you know, maybe beat others who might have similar ideas, we have to take into consideration this very important element of collaboration how many people are going to be involved and what's it going to take because every shortcut we take usually means somebody is not going to be getting the remuneration they would deserve or would get if they were in hollywood or working on a, um, a professional um, uh, film um, with a union you know or union run film for instance Yes, so, yes, yes. So it's an important thing to understand that, you know, how many people is it going to take to do this? And for a film, uh, it was, you know, maybe it ended up being about six of us. But um, really, it should have probably been more like 20 because, you, you know, <laughs> the, the kind of quality that's required to, to make a film um, acceptable, for instance, to a national uh, channel like uh, Aboriginal People's Television Network would have been nice yes. to get it on there, but it doesn't have quite the quality that probably they would accept. Um, so there are lots of thoughts and decisions to be made, but I'm just pointing out this this uh, sort of a little insight that I got along the way, and that is if I'm doing a painting or I'm doing a film, you know, what a big difference in terms of the number of people that are going to have to be involved in that final product. 
Yeah, it's you know I always uh, I always talk I always when I get the reference points or the opportunity to talk about it, I always say the business is a team sport and uh, you really need to bring the appropriate players together respect those the roles that need to be respected and uh, also don't try to do everything as the team player I'm a big sports fan and they say Tom Brady doesn't catch the ball he typically doesn't run the ball and I know he doesn't manage the team and so you need to be able to appreciate that it really is a team sport and the other thing that uh, that you're talking about that's what I love about the collaboration that reference point is that it, we all really are spokes in a wheel of a bicycle wheel and uh, you know everybody is equally as important in their role and should get the appropriate respect as you referenced so uh, I'm glad that you brought those points up because sometimes that gets forgotten very very quickly in the in the pursuit of the ultimate goal um, I wanted to I want to learn a little bit more about planting stories feeding communities uh, can you talk a little bit more uh, about you know what what was the what was the, uh, the 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 ultimate goal that you wanted to communicate uh, with the film to I'll call it the the non the the, the non judgment the non judging community that once it was over once it, the the film was in public what were you hoping that the the general public would take from from watching your film. Um, there are several things that I uh, was hoping people would take from the film. Uh, first of all, the title. It's um, Planting Stories, Feeding Communities, Indigenous Peoples, Knowledge, and Film is sort of the subtitle. And um, what uh, my goal was there is that it's, it's a metaphor. And because a lot of indigenous peoples have lost, we've lost our stories because they've been taken for us. We were punished for speaking our language and so on and so mm. forth. And all the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, calls to action, many of them have to do with education and and, and being able to um, speak the language or having classes now more and more taught in the original language so that the languages are making a small comeback. So planting stories, feeding communities was like taking stories back to the community where in this case there were three educators who had contributed greatly over 40 years to the development and implementation of Native Studies curricula in public schools in Ontario. But right. their stories were not known, generally speaking, to anyone on reserve. And there's a reserve there of 24,000 people, but maybe half of live who live on the reserve, so maybe 12,000 people, but none of them really knew much about these three and what they had accomplished. And so the first idea was to plant the story in the community. It's a seed form because a film is a distillation. Uh, because, you know, when, when we go and we pick up a book like The Name of the Rose or, you know, we could be reading for a week, mm-hmm. but we go see the film in, in, in an hour and a half. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so something happens there, and it's the magic of film because we use music, we use um, dialogue, we use all kinds of settings and special effects and so on and so forth to condense or distill the greater story into its essence. And the, the ultimate is that that essence is like a seed, and it's planted in the viewer such that it can continue growing and sprouting as they think about it over, you know, over time. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to create that kind of a of a sort of a gift back to the community who had helped me um, 
by contributing knowledge and information, which then I used in my master's dissertation and um, allowed me to graduate with a master's. I wanted them to be honored and I wanted their stories to be um, known in the community in hopes that um, they would sprout there too. So now that now that that action was taken on Six Nations, it was it was quite magical because the uh, the opening night when um, the people that I had filmed the year before came out and they were dressed like it was a red carpet night and it was it was absolutely amazing and some of the comments that the uh, various individuals made they were uh, there was one young woman who was about thirteen. When I filmed her, she was by then a year later, she was she transformed from uh, a, a, a young girl, let's say, or a, into a young woman. And she was saying how wonderful it was to hear her language and see her people and her culture on this large screen. So which is one of the conditions. That's so cool. <laughs> it, it really made my heart sing, you know. Of course. Um, of course. It, just a little side note on that, uh, you know, from an entrepreneurial journey perspective, it's, it's, it is so magical when you touch one client. And that's what I regard this young lady as, as, as a client of yours, because the story had resonated with her. And I mean, there's not necessarily remuneration from a currency perspective, but there is a, a, a remuneration from a spiritual connection and and um, and a, an emotional connection. And h- how that's still that 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 transaction, if I could call it that. Sorry to use the entrepreneurial analogies, but that's our audience. <laughs> that uh, that that still is important. That still is of value, and it's all. Ultimately, what we're trying to do when it comes to building businesses and connections with our clients. So I'm so glad you shared that with us because I think it's important we never forget about the one. It's not about necessarily the masses. It's about the one. Well, thank you. And um, I've been, well, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still showing the film. Uh, and, yes. and it continues to be consistently well-received, and I'm just so thrilled with that. People are touched by it because the story, um, ha- well, it has a lot of uh, facets in it. If you can imagine um, uh, a master's dissertation, you know, there's, it's going to be rather dry uh, because it's it's in act- – Academies is what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know, the average layperson is just going to fall asleep, you know, (laughs) trying to read this stuff. (laughs) I love it. Jeez. (laughs) That's too funny. The ultimate sleeping bill. Uh, So I wanted wanted to uh, distill as much from that thesis as I could to put into the film. Yes, I had to be selective because I had over two hundred, about two hundred fifty pages of of material to distill into this. Um, what turned out to be about a forty five minute film, and mm-hmm. so what do you choose? And so I tailored mm-hmm. it for some of the problems that were on reserve. Um, there, there are some social challenges for young people, uh, and I wanted to help the community understand what I was blessed to have had the opportunity to understand by my research in terms of cultural continuity and what happens in communities where that continuity is severely interrupted. Um, It results in people who do not have a sense of a future. Uh, 
uh, or a sense of of themselves in the future, and that leads to very negative self-destructive behaviors. The mm-hmm. ulti- ultimately, the, the the worst of which is you know suicide. Right. But in communities where they're um, where they 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 have control, they have their land, they have um, control over their language and their education. There are zero suicides. So, you know, a point like that, for instance, I included in the film because mm-hmm. we want to, um, I want to deliver uh, as much as I can in that capsule, in that um, story and, and plant that in the community so that they have the benefit of that information. It doesn't solve anything instantly, but it opens one's eyes because when I first heard that, it, it really blew me away that where people have control over their lives, they have more willingness to to um, to endure. Yeah, what you've given them, though, uh, Paul, is a is another pillar on on building a strong foundation within their community, and and that is knowledge, and um, and um, and again, spiritual connection. And I think that that's uh, yes, it's not going to happen overnight uh, because that hasn't been a regular part of the knowledge. And right. so, uh, but the fact is, is that it's now ongoing. It now becomes part of the dialogue, um, and with social media and so on these days, uh, well, you've you've started a ripple but uh, you may have a tsunami happening soon because of what you created so I think it's it's awesome and I, I think uh, uh, what your journey have taken you on to impact people has been as has I know been special to you but I'm sure continues to be special to them and, and key is to keep the journey happening I want to uh, I want to touch on your business creative consulting um, can you uh, can you share with us I mean 25 years in business my friend that's pretty epic can Congratulations on that. I mean, just blasted the odds way out of the water. Uh, so can you tell us what creative consulting does and, um, and uh, you know, what, what, uh, what's ultimately been the, the, the secret sauce to longevity of success for you as an entrepreneur? I would say because I'm dealing mostly and have dealt mostly with Indigenous communities and Indigenous issues, uh, mostly in Ontario, um, the the reason it just keeps on going is because the the issues are are never truly resolved, right? And so we are back at it again and again. And uh, I could go on and on about the histories and why um, uh, things often don't work in indigenous communities um, because of the uh, um, the the way in which uh, band councils are structured. Uh, where there's, a, there's an election every two years, for instance, and mm. you might have one group that is willing to move forward on a mm. project, but the next one might not. And so right. it's, not, wow. it's not conducive to long-term planning, and mm. it's, it's, an, it's imposed upon the community by the government of Canada. It's not a traditional decision-making body. If you go to Six Nations, you find there's the traditional uh, um, governance, and there's the band council. The band council is a creature of the Canadian government, whereas the traditional government has they they say it's the longest um, longest uh, I want to say living, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, democratic or self governing 
uh, government in all of North America is is for yes. Six Nations. And yes. There may be other contenders for that, but but I was impressed with that. So that uh, for for me as a business uh, in my business, what happened? Yes. I was working with the Métis in Ontario because I'm Métis. Yes. And I'm from the Red River, but uh, most of my adult life I've been in Ontario. So um, I was involved with uh, writing a paper. Uh, I was going down an elevator with a gentleman, and he asked me, are you a consultant? And I just went off the top of my head and said, sure. Uh, yeah. uh, and he said, so, okay. And so we talked, and uh, they needed uh, some research on enumeration and registry processes for enumerating and registering all the Métis in, in Ontario. But then you have two populations, one's um, more or less rural, and one is urban. And so you need different strategies for different areas. And so the paper that I wrote was well-received by the um, the Privy Council and the Métis National Council, as well as the Ontario Métis Association. So um, that opened a door for me, which led to the creation of, uh, of um, Creative Consulting, uh, where I was using what I had learned from uh, a gentleman named Robert Fritz in the States, which is structural consulting. When we look at the structures of, of businesses and their decision-making processes, we understand what they're likely up against and why things aren't working. We, we have right. different approaches. It's not a psychological approach. It's structural. Uh, for instance, if you're in a room and you have to leave, you're probably going to go out the door. That's the path of right. least resistance. You're not going to take out an axe and start chopping away at the wall. So, <laughs> right. so companies tend to have uh, structures. There's structures in, in, the, in the way they make decisions. And so you can predict what's going to happen and why things don't work, uh, especially if you're in a structure where people are expected to go out the window instead of out the door, um, that kind of thing. So I really mm. enjoyed that analytical side to it. And part of that was – was looking at constitutions uh, because the Métis Nation uh, ah. in Canada was looking at, uh, in the Charlottetown Accord, was looking at being, uh, you know, uh, including their their constitution as part of that accord. Now, yes. it, it didn't go through, but I, I was asked to critique it. And so I, I kind of took it all apart and, and pointed the, the discrepancies where I found them. Uh, because not, not very many of us are, are raised in a way that we really understand constitutional uh, issues uh, from a technical point of view and so forth. I, I was just learning these things, and I realized very few people have been educated in this. And so we, hmm. we, I found myself uh, being able to contribute in a, in a very interesting way. And, and it, still, it still comes up for me. Like when I was at the Startup Canada Day – Yes, on the hill, um, I had an epiphany of sorts. You know, when I was there, because <laughs> um, basically, uh, I don't know if you recall, I was uh, offered the opportunity and the honor of moderating the Empowering Indigenous Entrepreneurs Panel. Yes, and that was on the uh, startup government stage, I think. Yes, and so all three panelists were women, and all yes. all three, as they spoke to those gathered were committed and mentioned their commitment to developing their enterprises with the well-being of their, I guess, their respective communities in mind. So it wasn't just about money. Now, as you know, I've been an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur for most of my life, and, and as an adult anyways, Yes. and a great fan of self-starters. But I had not noticed over the years, you know, how my involvement with Indigenous issues 
like I guess almost 40 years, had gradually negatively biased my view of the sort of accumulative approach to life that the corporate world um, presents, you know, uh, accumulating, mm-hmm. you know, amassing and so on. And so my, my epiphany occurred during the session when I realized that there was a strong match between the indigenous worldview of sharing yes. and, and caring for the environment uh, and that was equally espoused by, I would say, all the people that I spoke to or heard speaking at the conference. Mm. So I went, wait a minute, you know, like I'm in the mm. right place. I'm in the right place. Mm. I'm talking to my own people here. Entrepreneurs yes. are people who have very strong values and they're yes. willing to go out on a limb to to um, prove their um, their that they're you know that they are strongly representing their values and what they do and in and in wanting to to, to create a, a better world yes so from, Did, yeah so that would that was a very um, powerful moment for me to realize that and i expressed that to those who were gathered i said wow this is this is amazing i'm standing here and seeing this for the first time <laughs> you know because you know, it's a, it's a- yeah. It's a new kind of new kind of people showing up, isn't it? It's uh, it's so cool when uh, I know when I, I I've referenced that myself that day of of how you could have the most successful people on the planet there and with entrepreneurs that are just starting out and we're all in it to help each other succeed in whatever way we can. And uh, you get the award winners on stage and, you know, some of them again, extremely amazing people and some that have just, uh, just struggled to even, uh, even get to where they have been to, but it was all about, no, we can do it together. And so I, I love that you've, you've identified that collaborative piece and that community piece, because that's just exactly what it is it's it's a, really is a village uh, entrepreneurship at, at, at the startup Canada level anyway is really defined what a village of entrepreneurs is all about yes and that comes across in in, in, in the spirit of your comments and, and in the way you approach the subject matter we're discussing today and mm, as was, thank you. as was the case with uh, with um, the people who were yeah, who I was, you know, really honored to meet throughout the day there. I, I was just really inspired. That's fantastic. Paul, how did you come in? T- what was your first touch point with Startup Canada? That was through um, Oguaho Equal Source and Rye and Shira Barberstock. Two in- ah, yeah. Two indigenous, uh, amazing indigenous um, entrepreneurs, <laughs> you know. Actually, I've, I've interviewed Shira on uh, on the Startup Canada podcast, and it was a wonderful conversation. And then uh, um, there was a startup community session the day before Startup Day on the Hill, where I got to meet Shira and uh, and her husband. And uh, it was a very magical uh, time when we were there because, again, friends just coming together uh, yeah. in, a, in a spiritual and an intellectual perspective, it was it was fantastic. So so I'm sorry to segue in that, but yeah, I know the people you're talking about. So that's how you 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 get introduced by them. Well, yeah, because um, uh, we've been working together uh, here in Kingston and trying to do put some things together. Um, yes, and um, whenever they can, I've done some film work for them, and uh, and so uh, they they called me and asked me if I'd be interested in in. Um, being the moderator for this panel. And I went, sure. Uh, yeah. uh, Sign I, me up. I didn't even know what I was signing up for, but I, I, I just thought, you know, I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a true entrepreneurial spirit right there. I don't, it's, it's, if, if I'm hanging out with people that are just darn cool around a topic I really enjoy talking about, then I'm in. I'm in. So that's so awesome. And and so, because they're located in around the Kingston area too, are they not? Yes, they are. They're both yeah, going it, to University uh, of Queens. Queens. Yeah, and they've, start, they've started Startup Kingston, uh, the startup community there too, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, yeah, they're doing some uh, some very cool stuff. Um, I uh, I wanted to uh, to to ask you about entrepreneurship in the indigenous uh, communities, and you know I am hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, that the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs in our country is young male indigenous people. Is that is that uh, is that a correct um, comment? Well, I'm not going to comment on its correctness, but I will agree in principle that that is the case. I don't yeah. have the I don't have the the facts and figures, but I so see what's, it. What's it's, happening? What? Yeah, what's happening? It's exciting. Okay, here's I'll draw on another metaphor that I use in my film. Okay, planning stories, feeding communities. I all through the film you see little green shoots coming up when there's a segue between one section and okay. the other. Okay. And, <laughs> yes. And at the beginning of the film, there's this, this scene that is created by uh, my editor where uh, John got these images and, and basically created a scenario that I, I wrote this quick poem because I love writing poetry and I, I, I threw it at him. I said, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to start this thing. And then he came back with this, um, scenario where you see, um, I'm saying, you know, in the beginning, you know, uh, yes. the, the, you know, when, when the, the fire was just subsiding and the last little flames were being sputtered out by the rain, lightning struck and, you know, out of the earth sprung these tiny green shoots. Yes. Because that's how it works. Like, uh, like indigenous people have always used fire to replenish the forests, which seems contra um, indicated uh, by, by most uh, views now, but it's starting to be more and more considered as a viable way of managing forests. So these little green shoots come up, but no one ever notices the little green shoots, right? They, they are looking at the devastation, the black, the blackened, charred, landscape uh, yeah but, but those green shoots are coming up within a week or two of that fire uh, and so my <laughs> i can i can hear you smile right now telling the story this is so amazing please continue so so the, the i'll carry the parallel over to our young indigenous men they're please. those they're those little green shoots they're coming up, and they have been coming up for quite a while, but suddenly there's the point where it's black, it's black, it's black, but the green's coming up, it's green coming up, and suddenly, boom, hey, there's a significant amount of green that's showing through here, and and this is what's happening, and the reason that that's happening is because some of the stigmas um, of, of the past are being overcome by individuals and communities, and they're they're getting educated, they're be, uh, they're to me, in many ways, they're assimilate, being assimilated in certain ways into this particular um, economic system. But it is a system that is on its way out because it's not sustainable. Yes. So entrepreneurs like social innovators like Shira Barberstock and yeah. others 
um, uh, our our understanding that the new economy is going to include wealth that is measured by things like um, health, for instance, and uh, the purity of water, purity of the air, purity of the earth, purity of the food. And all these things are going to be measured as part of wealth and not just money. And so I think indigenous um, worldviews, for instance, is one of sharing. And we see that all the time. And that sharing uh, in, in a social structure where sharing is the senior organizing principle, um, you're going to see um, a minimize, uh, it's going to minimize both the extremes of, of uh, hoarding wealth and, mm-hmm. and of poverty. It's going to balance out. But, mm-hmm. in, but in an economy where, you know, amassing is 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 what is rewarded and you know uh, respected we're going to see the extremes of wealth and poverty exaggerated and so this is partly what i'm seeing in terms of the indigenous communities they come from this caring for the land and for communities like i mentioned the three panelists uh, on the day at startup canada's day on the hill all three mentioned their ties and their motivation by what's going on in their community. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I, well, and and of course, correct me if I'm wrong. As part of that journey, because the the the, the foundations of of the stories that would that you're bringing to the table also go to complement that focus in on 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 their their history, the knowledge, and and so on of, of where they where people come from, and so on. And I apologize if I'm, I'm not saying it right, but I think you get what I'm talking about. Yeah. Gives them a self a, a sense of identity and uh, and self-esteem and foundation that might not have existed for a long time but now roots them to their communities and uh, wanting to wanting to uh, strive versus just kind of exist is that fair to say well i think i think it is fair to say that i think that that's basically hitting the nail on the head fantastic <laughs> you didn't know that did you <laughs> no i didn't i'm glad i did you know and again because uh, you know this is a respectful conversation and i want to keep it in that regard uh, and so i'm happy that i was able to capture that yeah i get that and the thing is that um the the, the future um is is a, is a place where all these things will be reconciled in one way or another. And, um, I'm, I, I feel like, 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 like there's a new dialogue that, well, I know that there's a new dialogue emerging and it's dedicated to, uh, reconfiguring decision-making regarding long-term impact of extraction and use of global resources. So what will guide our decision-making along the way will be at the top of that agenda. In other words, until our national principles and values mm-hmm. are prioritized, government decision-making regarding, for instance, forests and other natural resources will continue to be erratic. So it goes mm-hmm. back and forth. And I've seen this happen over and over again in my negotiations with provincial and federal governments on behalf of Métis people and First Nations and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, we always try to start with an agreement in principle so that we prioritize the principles that are going to guide what kind of an agreement we're going to come to. Mm-hmm. Without that, you don't have you don't have a, a compass. You don't have mm-hmm. a roadmap. Uh, 
You don't know mm-hmm. how, where, at which point is cutting all the trees down more important than preserving that uh, forest and all the life that's within it for future generations. How do you mm. make how do you make that decision? So, what I'm seeing is that um, uh, we need to to um, to move towards that new economy, and in order to do that, we need to start dialoguing. And like we're talking now, but you know we can't resolve all this in, in, in half an hour or so. This, right, this, right. And and it takes all of us to be involved. And I think the kind of government that is going to eventually make this work, the only kind is a participatory democratic process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So I'm praying every day for, you know, like our young indigenous men and women, the wonderful entrepreneurs, um, and that, that they will be part of leading the way. But, but another thing rivers is, and by the way, I love your name rivers. I was, (laughs) thank you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great handle. There's no doubt about it. I was, I had a unique name before, you know, when, when, when John's and Mary's were very popular. So (laughs) it was been an interesting journey and I thank my parents now for it because it uh, has, I think given me a lot of the strength that I have. Thank you for that. Um, I forget what I was saying there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I was kind of taken over. No one's ever said nice name to me on the podcast show before, although I have had a few afterwards say it's a great name. Well, Paul, I, here's what I can say is that uh, this has been a journey that has been completely unexpected by me or for me um, going into these conversations. And I always look for those, you know, those those times to be able to do that where I walk away with with a tingle, with a reflection that uh, that I've just experienced experience something special and and i have today with you you. and experiencing all you're doing with the great work you're doing with the indigenous people but also for you know other entrepreneurs and uh, as you share the analogies uh, the bridging between what you're doing with the indigenous communities and and with entrepreneurs and i I think that whole aspect of community really folds in well there so i hope you keep doing exactly what you've been doing for 25 years and more uh (laughs) it can only help to uh to grow us all as individuals but also as a as a country and um and i look forward to next time uh, we see you on canada Day on the hill or before that i really do get to shake your hand uh, face to face and maybe be on maybe be on one of your panels where you've been on my podcast so uh, <laughs> thank you so much sir for your time uh it's been a real real privilege likewise here how all the best Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Ryan Oliver, director of Pingwa, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. You're dealing in a, uh, you know, in, in language and how making an experience uh, that's available in your own language, how can that make the world more accessible? Because that was a pivotal point. That was a key point in the intro. Can you talk on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this goes back to kind of the genesis of the company, too, was um, I remember in particular having um, 
you know, my house in Pangatung kind of became the hangout place for video games. I, uh, even before I was working in the industry, was obsessed with the medium and and uh, and owned quite a bit. And so we had a lot of kids that would just come over and play uh, PlayStation all day or something like that. Um, right. And. And what really struck me, I guess, is 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 kind of watching these kids play through a game like Uncharted, uh, and and recognizing like there's just no cultural connection there. But like at the same, it's the same, you know, it's the kind of the constant issue with with any anyone consuming Western media that is not kind of a straight 35 year old white man. It's you're very mm. rarely reflected in that media, right? And so. Right. Um, I guess that's that's kind of where it started, and it and it started with language, and so. Um, you know, the very first project we ever worked on, as you mentioned in the intro, was the localization of a game called Osmos. Um, mm-hmm. And Osmos was the 2010 game of the year. Um, and I reached out to the guys who made that game and just said, like, you know, this this game's fantastic. Would you consider letting us uh, translate it into Inuktitut just to make it available for people? And kind of the idea there was just when people begin to see experiences in their own language, then they begin to see the, a role for themselves in the industry that that experience is coming from. And so, you know, I think most people in Nunavut have not considered the idea that they could get a work, could get work in games, could get work in tech, because it's just not something that's in their day to day. And specifically, it's not something that has been in in Inuktitut and an experience that relates directly to uh, the culture of Nunavut and Inuit culture. And so that was the idea. Like if we can put Osmos, which is, you know, already one of the best games of all time. If we can bring it into Inuktitut language, then then maybe you know this kid one day opens up that game and has a great time playing it, but the whole time his experience in their language starts to be able to have conversations about how games uh-huh. are made and about how these things are made uh, and sees themselves in that industry. Yeah.